Welcome back to today's episode of the podcast where we talk about a new installment of a different series every show. Today is Monday, November 13th, the same day, 83 years ago, that Disney released Fantasia. Now, both Fantasia and Culprits, the miniseries we're here to discuss, are available on Disney+. Plus. But that is where the similarities end, because Culprits is not for kids. It's a live-action, time-hopping heist story, a British production developed by Jay Blakeson. Jay Blakeson happened to co-write the sequel to one of my favorite horror movies of all time. Do you want to guess which one? Well, I know you like Cabin in the Woods, it's but British. I don't... Oh, The Descent? The Descent, perfect. He he did the sequel to it, mm-hmm. so it wasn't nearly as good. Uh, he also directed the critically panned but box office smash science fiction feature, The Fifth Wave. Oh, I didn't that even kid, remember the, the that. Chloe Grace Moretz movie? Yes, you know it yeah. better than I do, but I didn't know that it was actually, like, it made money. Yeah, I think it came out in January of 2013. I, I think it was a couple years later. I think it was, later? like, 2015 Probably. or something like that. And then most recently, he wrote and directed the Netflix Rosamund Pike thriller, I Care A Lot. Do you remember that one? I... It had Peter Dinklage in it, and it was, like, a very dark comedy, I think. And I, I just wanted to acclimate you to the guy before we jump into this project, because it's not unheard of for a creator of a series to also direct, write, and showrun the episodes. Yes. We've seen it with Taylor Sheridan, uh, Mike Flanagan, David Lynch, Lena Dunham did it for the first few episodes of Girls. Um, but, but what's weird about it here is that the reason that those creators have their hands on it is because it's their baby. They're the ones going on to pitch it. They're the ones who are sticking their necks out on the line to get it made. They're the ones who found, researched, incubated the idea. But that's not the case with Jay Blakeson. Jay Blakeson was handed the reins to this project by his friend, the executive producer, Stephen Garrett. He has his own production company. He sounds familiar. Yeah, he's done, uh, I think the Night Agent was his big claim to fame. Okay. Um, uh, but he has, he purchased the rights to the book that Culprits is thinly based on. Culprits, the heist was just the beginning. And now did this show feel like it came from a book or that it was adapted from a book? No, it, it, I mean, there's a lot that's going on. So I can see kind of where, yeah, actually one question is, does it focus the book on one main character? No, it does not. But the thing about the book is, here's the abstract to it. It's about a maelstrom of uh, what happens when a hard-bitten crew of professional thieves pull off the score of their lives, coming away with $7 million in swag. That's when the real trouble begins because in a linked anthology of stories written by more than a handful of writers, we follow each member of the crew of culprits as they go their separate ways after the heist and watch as the perfect score becomes the perfect nightmare. Now, what Jay Blakeson and Stephen Garrett did was they took that um, abstract and they like um, extended it themselves. They didn't wait for the book to come out. They didn't really read it too much. They didn't go into high detail. This is not based off that story. Okay. It's based off the premise. And so from there, they took it. And uh, from what I was reading, it said Jay Blakeson considers Joe the linchpin of the series. He is the main, main character, and he is played by Nathan Stewart Jarrett. Now, before Who carries we... the episode. Yes, he seems to be the biggest name. I was surprised to see him show up after so many years after seeing Misfits. I didn't know he was in the Candyman movie. I didn't know he was also in the British version of Utopia. He looks a little different. I did not recognize him at all. You could have given me a thousand people. I never would have guessed that he was Curtis from Misfits uh-huh. before watching he this He has thing. really long dreadlocks now, and he bulked up. Right? Yes. For the yeah. series, because he's technically the muscle. 
Yes, that's his nickname. If there was one word I could use to describe this show, it would be disjointed, however, because there's so many things that happens to Joe in the first episode, I don't even know which one the show wants us to focus on the most. Which character or which... What well, like, which storyline? For example, okay. the beginning of the episode, Marcelo Bari, he, he has this mansion, he has a ton of cars, and this is when I you said that this isn't going to be a kid's show, and you know that from the first scene because there's a hitman who gives him a headshot straight to the face and his brain suddenly, like, splatter on the gravel and part of his car uh-huh. and that's why i was like this is supposed to be on disney plus like what is going on here well you were on disney plus but yeah so you would think that that would be where the episode is supposed to take place maybe we learn more about marcelo bari for like the rest of the episode no that doesn't come into play until the very you last thought the dead guy you would get a backstory to him uh, or something like why would why would they start it off that way that's what i was wondering but then we switch entirely we learn very on that joe petrus he is someone that has a kid he also is married to someone named Jules as well. He's bought this old convenience store and wants to turn it into a bistro. And then we get 10 minutes of him trying to get a liquor license and failing to do so. And I was thinking, all right, well, he, now we're going to focus on him just trying to kind of re-up this thing. Yeah, so what do you think his deal was? Like, you knew there was going to be some form of connection to the first scene, but you're seeing this guy live out a humdrum life. Yes. Seems like he's he, doing pretty he's well He's dropping off himself. his kids at school. He yep. seems to have a, lo- a loving husband. Uh-huh. And then that's when we get the flashback scene and we learn that this guy used to be a hitman and actually so how does that happen how can you tell you're in the past first of all they say before uh, in text. <laughs> oh, okay so they just straight up tell you i thought maybe a color scheme or a texture yes scheme. it's it's also kind of more colorful and dark in the past uh storyline yeah. and one of the things the they, they do seem to take from the book is that the the big heist has already gone down and so what you're witnessing throughout the entire series of the eight episodes is just like little trickles of information kind of like with kaleidoscope and netflix's thing where you could watch it out of order mm-hmm. And so this is just Joe's perspective. And uh, but but when you see him in the heist and in the picture on the cover, he's wearing this mask and it's his bottom half of his face. It's not it's not like it's a full mask. He, we don't even get to the heist this episode. We don't actually oh, even know that okay. there is a heist that's going to be going on. Why uh-huh. does they uh, explain that there's a plan at the very end of the episode? Diane, who is the person who uh, kind of gets Joe to join Gemma the Arterton, mission. Yes. She yeah. she takes the role of the professor from Money Heist because she's like, and here's the plan and that cuts to credits. People we have, don't even know what it people is. People have compared her to Helen Mirren from um, Fast and Furious. Fast and Furious. Where yeah. she's kind of, yeah. And then the Nick Fury sort of role, but is she? She's kind of hardcore, yeah. Yeah, because what happens when we first go to the flashback is Joe. He is working for this criminal, and that criminal is bought into a room with other criminals, and they're well, all they're discussing. all criminals. So, what sort of criminal are we talking about? He here? is a security guard for a criminal. Like this guy, who I I think his name is Don. That's his first name. He's supposed to be one of the uh, the higher ups. What I'm asking is, does he have a specific quality? Because the classic caper, which we went over in Kaleidoscope as well. Uh, uh, it usually has a bunch of TV tropes. Who are the criminals? How Joe being the muscle, uh, and you said Diane is the brilliant person. Then who is this other guy? Uh, well, this isn't. It, we, this was just to introduce what Joe was. Like Diane isn't in this flashback scene. This was just to show that Joe kills people because when they go into this room full of criminals and this guy is a security guard for this one big criminal, suddenly those criminals want to take out Joe's boss. So, so they're then, not. 
Okay. So Joe just whips out a gun and ends up taking out everyone. You see him stabbing people, you see him killing people, and he's able to get a, he's able to get his boss and himself out of there. So he becomes John Wick for a few minutes. <laughs> yes, that's a good comparison. And so when I saw Nathan Stewart Jarrett in Misfits, he was this ultra skinny, he was trying to be an athlete. Yes. Like that was his whole deal. A runner. A, a runner, yeah. exactly. And they are not muscly. They're not people who you would assume... And I heard that he did bulk up for the role, but like, did he sell it? Yes, it... he, no, he kicks ass in this. In fact, it was really a pro for the show. And I didn't think I was going to give it this, that he's gay because you don't see a lot of that in TV shows <laughs> where like the badass who's able to take out all these people. I is will gay. challenge you, wasn't Laserhawk also that way? Yeah, but like Laserhawk Laser is a cartoon. And I, he also, like, was just the all-star, merciless killer. Yeah, cartoons, though, they go crazy, like, and that's futuristic. So that, they don't count, yes. they, Yeah, no, I'm, I'm talking about <laughs> actual things, like, in, in culprits. And so, yeah, he turns into John Wick, he's able to save his boss, and then that's when Diane kind of uh, goes to him and is like, I have this job for you, it'll be paid seven figures, low seven figures, uh, and then we cut back to the present. So when, seven figures. Uh -huh. so when we cut back to the present, this is, again, another storyline that I guess feel like they threw in there because uh, he's involved in a three-way crash. Joe gets up in the middle of the night. He sneaks out so that Jules doesn't see him. He's wanting to go to the store. And then suddenly there is a car that is just not paying attention as he's at a stop sign. And then another car crashes into that one and then crashes into his car. So he's involved in a crash. There's someone that's badly hurt that ends up surviving the crash, but she's completely knocked out. And then there's a hit and run situation because the third car just decided to take off and Joe is able to get the license plate number for it. And he even gives his witness uh, not testimony, but uh, his assessment of the situation at the cop's uh, place. Yeah, they're, they're interviewing taking this. him. Yeah, right. So, so that was uh, that was another scene that they decided, or storyline that they decided to throw in there. And then, wait, so that didn't have anything to do with the killer that's after him? No, no. I, that's why I'm saying they didn't even focus on the killing until the very end of the episode. And do you get to see this guy? Is he dressed like a scream uh, character or he, something? You, yeah. Well, his face—he's wearing a mask. Mm -hmm. The person that killed uh, Marcelo Bari. But okay. we don't actually know who that is. It could have been the person I was even thinking maybe that uh, was part of the hit and run and drove away. But That's then, what I was thinking too, but, just based on what you're talking about. But the person that was badly injured that survived was really the cause of the crash. Okay. Unless that person was somehow in on it. I don't know. There's some type of mystery going on. And then we get another storyline where Joe, he's learning that they're going to be uh, kind of building this uh, house and it's going to be, they're going to be knocking down some trees in this forest. So he has to get a bag of money i assume that's a bag of money from the plan that they keep on teasing in this the is still the story present storyline yes right. yeah and I, i'm glad and so you... this is this is all the stuff that they got from like the obviously the job worked yes just like the perfect crime worked and so he stores his money underground somewhere or where, where is it he actually held? puts it in the back of the truck so when he gets in a crash he quickly takes the money out of his trunk and throws it into the garbage oh. and then and then when he tries to go back for it after he gives oh, his no. uh, his thing to the cops he sees that the trash pickup has already put it in their in their car so he has to jump into the trash sure. and he has to get it Who that was a dumpster dive for that millions was of dollars that was probably the best scene or sequence because it took 10 minutes but you see what i mean when i'm saying that like there's like six different storylines going on and i don't know which one to focus on it's certainly busy it does bring to mind though um the first one being shameless where carl has that bag of money that he uses to help i think purchase their house back and then also um what was the on my block show where the whole first season one character was like obsessed with that treasure map and then found a ton of money hidden
hidden underneath, I think, their football field. And one so, show I, I bet that you didn't expect me to compare this to is The Americans, because when we flash back uh, to the storyline, it turns out the cops learned that Diane and Joe had a talk, and the cops bring Joe to this remote remote location. He's supposed to be a personal trainer. He doesn't even actually go by Joe uh, in the back flash. He goes by David before he ends up having to scrap that identity. Mm -hmm. But they talk to him, and they're like, we want you to accept the job, and we want you to be uh, our eyes and ears. And he just is denying it the whole time being like I didn't speak to uh, Diane I don't know who that is and they're even showing him pictures of him at the museum where he spoke to Diane and he's still just denying it and being like I'm a personal trainer so this is all a test yes and then and then later on that's when Diane walks out of nowhere and she's and the people that were supposed to be cops are really part of the mission did it fool you though I mean, it, it fooled me, but... Like when they tried to do that in Saw 10, it didn't really oh, fool it me. Oh, it didn't work. Here, yeah, the guy was being pulled up to by the taxi, and then these guys come out with masks on, and you're like, yeah, they probably work for the place that Indra just checking to make sure that he's not going to squeal. And then by the end of the episode, the reason why uh, Joe starts to freak out a little bit is he sees an article where Marcelo Bari, the guy at the beginning who got his brains yes. blown out, uh, was uh, is dead, and he was a stuntman for a film. Really, though, Marcelo Bari was part of the mission. Sure. Uh, and that's and that's really where the connection comes into play at the very end of it so i had it as a pro because i was never really bored watching the show with all of the things that was going on mm -hmm. but i also had it as a con because it was really hard to tell and once again i don't know what the main plot what do you mean is. by it was hard to tell like what time period you were in or really hard to tell what the plot was trying sometimes to sometimes there, there was way too many backflashes and forwards <laughs> in the episode it got a little herky-jerky for you yes but also in the first scene it's like okay well i guess that the this guy who killed Marcelo Bari is supposed to be hunting down everyone that was in uh, yes. part of this operation. Maybe he was part of the operation. Maybe he's just someone who's tracked them down. Maybe he is the equivalent of, again, to Fast and Furious, the Jason Momoa character. Yes, right. Who's just uh, like on the sidelines seeing what they did when they stole a bunch of money or whatever. But also, uh, what, what's with this rundown store? And it doesn't even seem like Jules knows what Joe used to do in his background life, as well as the kids. And also the three, like, car crash scene that happens does it make you interested in checking out the right because i can tell you this when they got greenlit to make the series they were told that it was only going to be one season this is a true mini series in that they made a beginning middle and no cliffhanger oh okay so that is not quite so, different so this than, is a limited series like absolutely and okay. so there is a complete end and telling you that does that make you want to watch it more because now you know that they're not going to like keep leading you on watch it more sure but i'm probably not going to watch it anyways how many episodes is it supposed to be because this eight, was yeah this was an, it's hour like an eight hour long. movie it's yeah an eight hour this, movie. Is, this was 57 minutes but curtis from the misfits was a fun watch he again he carries the show he's the best part of it like they by said far. he's supposed to be the linchpin they spent a ton of time making it it was 135 days it was shot during the pandemic wow. uh four different countries canada uk norway spain same street uh in manchester as peaky blinders was filmed oh, cool. and also captain america and the crown um the the main complaint i've also heard about it is it's just it's one of those shows that you have to not think too hard about yeah. one of those shows that you kind of have to turn your brain off of and and enjoy um but there's what no would you... there's no through line though there's no theme between all the different storylines aside from joe being in the middle of it and disjointed works as a perfect word for it um you didn't even mention some of the other characters so i i assume we didn't get to them yet one of them is kirby cowell baptiste um, she was in Barry and Digman and the Sandman, but 
but uh, she plays an officer or someone named officer. That, that might have been that might have been the officer that was questioning them. If it wasn't, then I'm I'm not sure. I don't know. I think she might have been part of the crew. That's why I'm saying the officer that was part of the crew that oh, was oh, okay. questioning him. Yes. That might have been her, but I'm not 100 percent sure. And there's a guy named Devil, a person named Frankie, but you really didn't talk about too many names other than Jules and Joe and Diane. Well, I think that's because Joe and we, the main guy who died. Joe being the main storyline, I only care about his characters, also including Jules and his kids as well. Um, but all the other characters, even Diane, I guess I don't really care what happens to them. They haven't they haven't proven themselves to be a character that you should care for yet. You you don't have any idea how much I wanted to grill you on the fact that a bottom face mask does nothing to hide your identity <laughs> and how stupid it would be to go into any sort of situation, a caper or not, where you're trying to hide yourself and you're just wearing a face mask. Like, that makes no sense. Especially when your hair is so, like, notable. Like, no offense to Joe, but, like, you can tell who that guy well, is. Well, it reminds me of John Wick. It reminds it's me like of the freaking Con Larry Fitzgerald. But the Continental there. had those same characters that only had face masks and not, not any type of, like, sure, you could but, still see their eyes. But they're not really trying to hide themselves. These people are trying not to get caught by the cops. Another thing about it is that, like, what would you compare this show to? I do. I mean, this is what they were influenced by: Takers, Inside Man, the uh, Asphalt Jungle, Oceans franchise. Did you Oceans get any franchise, maybe from the from the Rafiki. bank heist that I'm assuming is going to happen. Takers, though, wasn't that the 2010 Paul Walker movie? Yeah, I'm mixing <laughs> what was uh, influencing not only the uh, TV show but also influenced the book. Oh, okay. So, um, and the book actually came out, I think, in 2018. It was published then, but they're still, I think they re-released it or something rather recently. Uh, there's Money Heist, which you can compare it to television-wise. Uh, you can also compare it to Kaleidoscope or mm -hmm. I've heard Lupin as well. Huh. Um, Lupin would be an interesting one. I'm going to give the show a five out of ten. Huh. I do, I do so credit, average. I do credit Disney with giving us something way darker. Like that was that was also a part of the fun of watching it all. Yeah. But it's just there's just too much going on, and I think that they have to simplify the stories. I was also wondering when we saw the very end of the episode and everyone being involved with the plan, if maybe Joe was just this one episode, and then one of the other characters was going to be a different episode. But it just sounds like Joe is going to be the main character throughout. No, the series. I think you're you're right that it will concentrate on other people but kind of like with skins and how tony was the first episode but also probably the main main character of the first season despite because even when they're going through the other people's storylines they'll go back to joe and show what he's doing and you'll connect with him maybe the most mm -hmm. again can, the linchpin of the series that means something um your rating of a five actually falls in line with what the IMDb, imdb score is now yesterday was like a 6.4 today it's a 5.6 i don't know where it's going to settle but as far as reviews go there aren't a ton of them out there because uh, I don't think a lot of people know about this and show. And I was going to say it's, the IMDb rating being a 5.6, probably not a lot of people have rated it yeah, either. It's in the hundreds right now, so so definitely not a lot. But the actual critical reviews have been pretty consistent down the line, uh, three to four out of five. So they've hmm, been okay. Okay, so, they, so people like it. Yes. Nobody's been like, no one said five out of five. Uh -huh. The Guardian did give it a four out of five. Radio Times gave it a three out of five. Mashable liked it, saying that if you're looking for a heist series that follows the formula of time jumps, action sequences, and a compelling cast to boot, culprits is worth a watch iNews gave it three out of five stars digital spy also gave it out of three three out of five stars you're also noticing the names of the places that i'm talking <laughs> about or the um the newspapers or whatever uh are, are not like big ones yeah so it clearly hasn't like hit the mainstream yet um one thing that is is also interesting is that because we've now done a series with nathan stewart jarrett um and we also did one with antonio thomas 
uh, still up. We also did one with uh, Robert Sheehan, Umbrella Academy. <laughs> that was three years ago, but yeah. <laughs> Joe Gilgan was in Brassic. Now, Ewan Curtis, Rian, yeah, 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 like, yeah, Ewan Rian is the next one. That's where I'm going. Yeah, like, he, he has, like, we, we, we weren't doing the podcast during Game of Thrones, but I mean, that would have been a perfect one. He was in that for a while. Right? He, I mean, you could say that he started off, maybe kicked off all these people being in these shows. Yeah, the he is. Character. He is the first build on on Netflix. Or sorry, on uh, Wikipedia when you go to Misfits, Ewan Rian. Is, so yeah, yeah. And an ironic twist, if you remember when we did Kaleidoscope, it was at the beginning of this year. It was literally our first show this year so it will be part of like right, 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 right. our rundown um at, at the end here but the sentiment for netflix at that time had gone real sour okay password sharing the crackdown for that had just been announced and the rumors right had, yeah, right yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so it was all about how like this show was supposed to be their claim to say hey this is why you deserve to pay for what we have and i was just not into it kaleidoscope got like a 20 percent on Rotten tomatoes yeah over the last year netflix i think has improved its branding a little bit it has continued to raise its prices but i think people have gotten used to um the the new strategy of not sharing passwords and they did excel last quarter and if you're concerned with stocks disney though is facing a lot more uh, criticism now because they are also hiking up their subscription prices at a kind of drastic rate they only came into being a few years ago disney plus yes um, like 2019 and, and they've already uh, the next price hike is going to effectively double what they originally came in at oh wow okay. so, and they also got rid of this thing called that, that some people used a lot group watch which allowed you to watch the program and then someone somewhere else to watch the exact same program Hulu. at the same time. Hulu had the same thing, yeah. Yes, but they got rid of it. And Hulu is controlled by Disney, so I wouldn't be surprised if Hulu it, got, it rid, got of it rid of it as well. Yeah. yeah. So so people have been really upset about that. I don't think this show is going to solve the problem, but it is nice that they made a concise television show that no one has to go in and think we're never going to get a conclusion to it. And also gory deaths like like that you get in this show are even more gory than something like NBC or CBS when you get the procedurals like Law and Order or The Irrational or anything like that. Remember when Deadpool first got like because they're under Fox and then Disney bought Fox or yes. something and everybody was concerned that like they were going to decrease the bloodshed. Yeah, like they they've still managed to keep some programming. It's not Fantasia. I mean, Fantasia's <laughs> going to keep it light. Uh, the last thing I'll say is that Disney Plus is also going to come out with another high story rather soon. Um, I found that crazy. The Artful Dodger, which is, of course, that Oliver Twist character. Um, and, and the person who's going to... It's a period heist drama. Right. And the person who's going to be playing the Artful Dodger is Ferb. Um, or Thomas Brody <laughs> Sangster. Remember, the Artful Dodger's only supposed to be like 15, 16 years old, and uh, Thomas Brody Sangster is going on 50. He was. But wait, he, what? No. <laughs> I mean, he's so old, but he always plays the younger character. He was characters. in Nanny McPhee yeah. like 20 years ago. And that, he was only a 30 year old, fresh faced 30 year old. <laughs> As a kid. No, and David Thewlis um, is going to play Fagan. That's oh, okay. the grouchy guy who, like, controls all the kids. All right. Well, thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. Hope you enjoyed this one. Bye. Bye.